Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Can I get a boomer? Sooner. If you love Jesus, say I do. If you really love Jesus, say I really do. My goodness. Anybody make it to the game this weekend? Yeah. Anybody regret going to the game this weekend? But wasn't the community fun though, right? The road trips just makes the experience, amen? But we're still proud of our Sooners, all right? We still love them. We still care for you guys. So uh, anyways, let's move on from that. Had 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 to say something, right? But uh Anyways, let's pray. How does that sound? So maybe, maybe we should do that at some point, right? Let's go and pray. Father, we thank you for you. We know that you are already in this place, and I ask that you just continue to fill this place. Let your spirit be here. Let it penetrate our hearts. Let us learn from it. Lord, let your words just flow through me. Let there be your words and not my words. Lord, let it be impactful. Let it be just such a holy night. We ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, we are closing up our sermon series in First Peter tonight. Um, I think that First Peter has been awesome. I, I, I've loved to preach it. I, I've, I've heard a lot of good testimonies about just what we have learned through First Peter. And I'm, I'm excited for tonight. I think tonight is going to be a powerful night. I think tonight is a special night because we're preaching on a hard subject. Uh, we're talking about suffering through uh, life and through trials and through hardships and what that could look like. Um, and I believe that in our generation uh, and just in our culture, I think that we can misunderstand kind of what suffering and trials can, can mean to us. Usually in, in, in our culture, if you're suffering or go through a, a hard time, it's usually because something uh, you've done is wrong and it's because of your fault. And I really just think that Peter here, he's, he's flipping the script on us tonight, and he says, what if we don't look at suffering that way, but what if we look at suffering as maybe this is what you are called to do at the moment that you are in right now? And as I've said many times before, I can't promise you many things in this world But I can promise you this, is that if you walk and talk closely with Jesus and and you learn to live like him and act like him and say things like him, then trials and hard times will come. It's just promised to us in Scripture. But I hope tonight we can take this and we can realize that maybe This suffering, this hardship can be good for us. It can be a good thing for us. So Peter, I'm like, why why is Peter talking about suffering now? And I sat back and I thought about why would he bring up suffering to these people at this exact time? These people who are new converts to Christ are just now learning how to walk with him and talk with him and be able to live their life the way that Jesus would want to live their life. Like, like, why is he trying to tell these people about 
suffering. I don't know exactly what level of trials and suffering and hardships that they are going through. I don't know what degree. I don't know if it's uh, to the same degree that we are. Maybe it's to a lesser degree than some of us are. I do know this. I do know that uh, they are not to the persecution stage yet. I do know that they're not being ripped from their homes and drugged to the Colosseum and ripped apart by lions for just proclaiming the name of Jesus. But I also know something else, that hardships and trials and struggles are happening so much that Peter realizes that he needs to give some direction about it. He knew that suffering done without direction will always lead to more suffering. But suffering done with direction and led by the Holy Spirit and, and led by the Word of God and led with just prayer with Jesus can lead to a blessing. And I hope and I pray that the sermon tonight, I hope it can take us, some of us I know right now we're feeling stuck. I know some of us, we are right in the middle of a trial. Some of us right now, we maybe feel like the world is breaking over us. The world is crushing on our, our shoulders. And I hope and I pray that this sermon can show us and give us a little light and just be biblical in the fact of, like, I hope that we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. I hope that we can count it all joy when we meet uh, trials of various kinds. And I hope that we can suffer a little while, like the Bible says, and know that he will restore us. He will make us strong, firm, and steadfast until the day of glory. That's what I hope that we bring tonight. So I think tonight, let's look at what does Peter say about suffering and how are we supposed to handle it? What direction is he going to give us? For tonight, I'm going to go through verse by verse like we've been doing through First Peter. I think uh, Peter's given us three points that I think are going to be very beneficial for us tonight. And we're going to be in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And it says this. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. You know, what is Peter saying here just on this first sentence about suffering? I think if we can look at just this first section, I think we can see that suffering should be expected. Like, we Christians should expect trials of various kinds. I think we should expect some, some hardships and some suffering, and we should learn that these trials, what he is saying is that they're not here to hurt us, but they're here to Test us. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the very first sermon uh, that I brought up in our series is it's like the, the silver's mining process. They, they go and they mine this silver and they put it in this uh, big cup and they melt it over this fire until the silver liquefies. And during this time, all the, all the junk comes up. All the infirmities, all the dirt, all the rocks, all the metals that looked like silver but wasn't, all this infirmities comes up and the miner will sift all that junk out of that silver. And then we see that the final process for the miner, it, when he knows it is complete, is when he looks down and he can see a perfect reflection of himself. And see, that's how I think that these trials and these hardships that come into our life, I think that's how we should 
look at it because as Christians, we go through these hardships and it's a process and it's not like the world tells us that we're losing everything, but it's actually we are losing parts of ourself that are not, not right for God or maybe bad in our life and, in, and he is then enhancing that which is good in our life. Like, just think about that alone. Like, how much would that change our life if we were able to take what Peter is saying to effect? Like, I'm going through this problem now. I'm going through this hard thing now. I'm struggling in such a real way. Man, I just can't navigate it. I just don't know what's going on. I feel like the world is on my shoulders. But you know what? I'm not going to fret because I know that this is for my good. This is not for my bad. I know that this is a struggle now, but I know that that Jesus has a plan for me, and it's not for bad, but it's for good. It's not meant to hurt me. It's meant to help me. And you see how that changes everything? Like it changes us from having this victim mentality to being an actual child of God. Whereas this world wants you to think that suffering is this bad thing and this trial and this hardship is a bad thing because everything is wrong and your world is going to fall apart or you're not enough or you're not valuable enough or popular enough or pretty enough or smart enough. But suffering as Christ and having this hardship in your life proves that God is actually working in you and not against you. He's not an absent God. He is with you. That you are important to Him. And yes, it is hard physically and spiritually and mentally. But they don't show that God doesn't care about you. But it's actually the very opposite. That our God is refining us to bring out what is good and to dispose what is imperfect and while everyone else might be leaving you right now like you might be going through some pain where some friends are are leaving you because you're choosing faith and you're choosing to walk a new life where where family might be going against you right now you might be having some family drama right now while relationships might be ending around you the Lord our God cares for you enough that he's working something in you and it's good and it's perfect to make you stronger in him so students we shouldn't be surprised when trials come because It doesn't show that God is distant from us. It actually shows that God is for us. We should be expectant from it. But what does Peter say next? He says in verse 13, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. What is Peter saying here is he said that suffering should be rejoiced. Now, why should we rejoice in suffering? It says simply that it connects us to the Father. We share a, a moment in time where, where you are like Jesus and you suffer because he suffered. He gave us an example how to suffer. He showed us how to walk through this. And I think that we can look like Jesus and we can be like Jesus in how we suffered. He suffered through pain. He suffered through temptation. He suffered because of some of the things that he said. He suffered because of some of the things that he stood up for, for the things that he didn't do. Hello, Friday night. He didn't do Friday night the same way that everybody did Friday night because he wanted to live a holy life. He suffered through people gossiping about him. Hello, anybody been hit by gossip in your life? Hello, anybody done the gossiping in your life? Hello, hello. 
All right, one person is a gossip in here. Y'all are so holy, right? Awkward. All right. He suffered through friends betraying him. Anybody had a friend betray you? Backstab you. Hello, Judas, right? And Peter's trying to explain to these people that you are not alone because Jesus has been there and he can help you through it. He can guide you through it. He can walk you through it. He's a perfect example of how to be able to stay faithful even when you don't know why something is happening to you. He has shown us how to live through suffering in a perfect and complete way. So how can we rejoice in our suffering? Because it helps us connect with him so we can be like him. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like sermon prep is, it's 15, 20 hours a week. It's a lot of work for me. And I'm not gonna lie, I got hung up on this one section. Because like, how do I contextualize this text right here? How do I take this text and how do I apply it to your life as college students? Because if I can just be honest with you, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I realized that many of you were living with your mommy and daddy like months ago, amen? Like some of y'all were living with your parents within the last 24 months. Like I'm not knocking, I'm actually a little jealous. I, I, I wish that I could go home sometimes, right? Uh, but I started realizing something that like how can I contextualize this text to somebody who maybe not be dealing with the same thing that these people are going through. And I was like, I just, I couldn't get it and I was trying to understand this. And it took me back to uh, my college time slash high school time. And I, this was, it was a fun time and it was an exciting time because I got to be out of Woodward, Oklahoma. Anybody been there? You haven't missed much, right? Like, like I was excited about going to college and making new relationships, but but there was, a, 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 there was a, something that was, I was dealing with for the last like three years of my life during this college and high school time. And it was when I moved to Woodward, Oklahoma on my 16th birthday. So on my 16th birthday, I moved to Woodward, Oklahoma. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I struggled making like real friendships. Like I had friends, but I didn't have real friends. Like, like I struggled with people like getting to know me and me getting to trust people. And I'm not going to lie, like, like I was lonely. And so there would be evenings that I'd hop in my 1995 cherry red Mustang. Anybody jealous, right? All the ladies wanted it, all right? Like it was a straight up Barbie car. It was fine. I rocked it, okay? I owned it. I had long hair looking great, great smile. Now I'm just a fine wine. I just look better now than I did then, Amen. My wife thinks so, okay. But um, I played my downer music. Anybody have your downer playlist, right? I'd play my downer music and I'd be cruising in the Stang. And no lie, for, the, for three months or so, I would drive by this pond and I would pull into this pond that was by my house. And it was a beautiful pond. And it was surrounded by trees and it was far enough away from uh, the city that, that you could see the stars, and the stars would, uh, at the perfect time, you'd look down in the water, and you could see the reflection of the stars in the water, and it was perfect. And I'd get out of my car, and I would sit down on my hood, and I would have some real talk with Jesus. 
Like I would have some real talk, like, God, why would you move me here and not bring me friends? God, I'm trying to live this way and act this way. And like I'm, like, like, I'm trying, I'm struggling. Like, Lord, I need you to come and help me. I need you to bring me out of this. And for months, like I would be coming to this pond multiple times a day. And I was just like, I just couldn't understand. Like, like, why would you move me here and for me to be lonely? Like, I just couldn't understand that. Fast forward to about my end of my freshman year, maybe the first of my sophomore year of college. I'm sitting there in my dorm room, in on my couch, and I got about five or six friends there who, I don't know if any of y'all have experienced this before, but like our freshman, our freshman year, like, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? These type of people, right? And then about the end of freshman year, they started not looking like Jesus not acting like Jesus, not talking like Jesus. And I'm not talking like they did like a, like a 20 degree turn away from Jesus. Like they did a full 180 from Jesus. And I'm sitting there and these people are just like dogging on the church, dogging about Jesus, dogging about religion, dogging about these types of people and us types of people. And like they're just, they're just smashing Jesus, like, like demolishing him in my dorm room. And it hits me. It hits me like a ton of bricks, and I start smiling. I'm getting goosies right now, no lie. I'm getting goosies right now. You ready for this? Because I felt the presence of the Lord come over me at that point. And I started realizing something. I went back to the pond in my head, and I started realizing why the loneliness started when it did. Because when I went to the pond, I started developing a relationship with Jesus that I could never imagine. I started having conversations with Jesus for the very first time. And I, I sat there and I was able to rejoice and be able to say, um, man, Jesus, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I was able to get to that place because that's where I learned how to for the first time, feel the presence of Jesus, where it was just me and Jesus. It wasn't at a, at, a, at a church service when a perfect worship song came on and like I felt the presence of God in that moment. It wasn't at a prayer huddle where me and my friends were gathered maybe for a prayer at the full and I felt the presence of God. No, no, this was the very first time where me and Jesus had a real conversation and I felt the real presence of of God and my faith started growing. It wasn't my parents' faith, it was my faith. And I'm telling you, it changed the trajectory of my life. And you ready for this, students? I was sitting on that couch in my dorm room and I, fi I finally understood why he brought me through that hard time, through that trial, because without that pain and without that hardship, I wouldn't have the relationship with Jesus that I needed then to be able to not follow the crowd of my friends who were turning away from him. And at that moment, I praised him and I gave him glory and I was so thankful that he brought me through that time. And when my friends mocked me and shamed me, it didn't, even, it didn't even phase me because I was able to say, you know what, listen, like I had this experience like three years ago and God changed me here and I've been able to build my relationship since then and God's been able to show me how much he loves me and God wants me to share something with you, like how much he loves you too. But that never would have happened. I never would have had that strength. I never would have had that courage without that trial at the pond. 
Students, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what type of pain you're going through right now, but just think about this. Maybe he's working something in you that someday you will be able to see his glory revealed. And at that moment, you will recognize that the why of your struggle today, the why of your hurt today, maybe the why of your rejection, maybe from some friendships, maybe a a relationship, and that rejection might have been protection. And that will be the day that you're like, huh, like I get it. I'm able to see now why you brought me through that pain and through that hardship so I could have the faith that I needed to face today. Maybe then you would be able to say, you know what? Like I'm thankful that you brought me through that. You want to see spiritual maturity is when you're able to say, you know what? I'm glad you brought me through that pain. Even though it was hard then, I'm thankful for it now. But also you can turn the tide on facing trials because when you're facing trials and facing hard times in your life you're like and you've seen what God has brought you through you're able to face trials and be like you know what this is hard now but I'm going to find Jesus in here I'm going to find what Jesus I'm going to connect with Jesus I'm going to have a real relationship with Jesus and I'm going to trust him to get me through it and you know what I know that someday it might not be in this world but it might be in the next world I will be able to give him glory and praise because of the thing that he had brought me through. So we're supposed to rejoice. But then things take a turn in verse 15 and 16, and he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify in that name. I think Peter is saying here is that our suffering should be examined. Like on one side of the equation, we see that we should not suffer as a murderer, evildoer, meddler. But on the flip side of that, he says also, but if you are to suffer, suffer as a Christian and don't be ashamed to bring glory to God's name. And see, what we see is that there's two types of ways that you can suffer. There's a right way that you can suffer and there's a wrong way that you can suffer. Now, what, now, how can we suffer wrongly? Like, like, like how can we make sure that, that uh, like, how can we expose or examine uh, suffering wrong? I hope most of us can say that we're not a murderer, right? I hope that we can say that. If, if you are, please, please go turn yourself in. There's some, there's some great, great programs in jail, all right? There's some, Jesus is in jail too, guys. Come on now. Get right with Jesus, Okay. Uh, are you a thief? I don't know. Did you steal any answers during midterms? Anybody? Right? Can commit to that? All right. Maybe. Maybe not. What about a meddler? Everybody's like, what the heck is a meddler? Right? Well, a meddler is a super, quote unquote, religious person that thinks that they know it all. And they interject in people's lives and say, you know what, maybe you need to start doing this with Jesus so you can be extra holy. Or they go into churches and be like, these are the 12 things that you were doing wrong, let me tell you. It's like, you don't have the paperwork to be able to say things like, like that. Like, you, have, you don't have the relationship or the friendship to be able to talk to me this way. Like, those are people that just make problems and are problems, right? But what about evildoers? Now, I understand that evildoer can have 
some different variances and meanings. I know an evildoer can be someone, you ready for this, that does evil. Amen. All right. Shocker. Big one. They do things that are harmful to other people. I think we do have some evil people in here. Let's just be honest. But I think the approach that Peter was trying to look at as evildoer is someone who goes against the will of God for their life. Because just think about it. If you're not doing things for the good of the Lord, what would be the opposite of that? If you're not doing good, you're probably doing evil. Because if it's not for the Lord, then it's for everything else that's not of the Lord, and that would be considered evil. Now, when I looked at this text, and I wondered, like, why was this so important here? Why is this important for Peter to put here and to make sure these people are examining, like, why they're suffering? He explains it in verse 17 and 19, 17 through 19. He says this, For this is the time of judgment, to begin at the household of God. And if this begins in us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? And if this is right, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what would become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So what does this mean? That the judgment of God is happening right now. God is judging his people and he's purifying his church. And those who are obeying the gospel should not live in fear because they are obeying the gospel and they should put their trust and their faith in the faithful creator and doing a good work in him. But those who are doing evil, the evildoers, the meddlers, the murderers, they should not mistake themselves to being followers of Christ because if God is allowing all these hardships, if God is allowing these trials to go through his children, if he's allowing these trials to, to be able to refine his children, and yes, they're hard, and yes, they're painful, and yes, they are stretching them to the every which degree. If he's allowing that to happen just for our temporary time here on this earth, What's going to happen to the people who do not know Jesus? And I think we all know it's an internal separation from him. God's wrath is equal to God's love. Some of y'all are like, well, how do I, whoa, like, we got serious here. Like, like, how do I know if I'm, like, doing this right? Like, how do I know if the hardship I'm going through right now is, is, this, is this because of good or this because of, bad and God just took me to Romans 1 when I was trying to understand this for myself and he said Romans 1 18 this is what you need to read to your students students please read this and meditate on it, it says this for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their own unrighteousness they do what they suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because what? God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. 
so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and they became, uh, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator who would bless them forever. So students, how do we evaluate our suffering? For some, we can say, because of my relationship with Jesus, and I believe we have a lot of people in here that can say, you know what, For because of my relationship with Jesus, I try to conduct myself in such a way that I'm trying my best to be a servant of God, and I'm trying everything I can, and yes, it can be hard. Yes, students, there's no question becoming a Christian is easy. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he, uh, he rose from the dead to save you from your sins. You will be saved if you confess that, if you put your life in that, if you put your trust in that. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Becoming a Christian and turning your life uh, over to Jesus. Yes, that's, that's an easy part. Being a Christian, tearing off the old self and putting on the new self. Finding, finding no value in your old self, but only finding your value in Jesus. That is where it can be hard. I know it's hard right now. I know you're trying to figure out your rhythm with Jesus. I know you're trying to figure out how to do this life. I know you're trying to figure out how to act, how to be, how to date, who to date. Come on now, right? right? You're trying to figure all these things out, and I know it's hard. And I ask you right now, like, hang on to that. And if you are this person, I would say, don't bow your head in shame through your pain right now, but give God glory and trust that he will lead you through this. But on the flip side of that, there are people in this room who they know about God. They know what Jesus has done on the cross. They know that they are a sinner in need of a savior, but their life has shown no commitment towards him. And some of you, you've been stuck in suffering and you just don't know how to get out of it. And you've explored everything that this world has offered you. You've tried every corner, you've tried everything that the world can give you, and you're still stuck in the suffering, you're still stuck in doing the same things, you're still stuck in shame, you're still stuck in doubt, you're still stuck in all of, of, of everything. And I just wonder if maybe we can look at Romans and say, you know what, maybe, just maybe, I am one of the people that have not given my life over to Christ, but, I've, but God has handed me over to everything that I've been living at for the last five years. Maybe I'm stuck in this shame and this pain because, because I haven't ever given him my whole life. Maybe I'm stuck in this and I can't, be able to get out of this because God has handed me over to this. What if I just make it simpler than that? Peter explains simply this. Do you live for the gospel or do you live for yourself? 
For those of you living for the gospel and trying your best, Peter says, entrust your souls to your faithful creator and trust that he is doing good. For those of us who are not doing that, listen, maybe tonight, why don't you step out of your comfort zone a little bit? Maybe drive to a nearest pond. Maybe it's Lake Dirty Bird. Anybody been there? Come on. Like, don't go swimming it. You might suck up a diaper, all right? Like, but go, like, go out there and maybe just be by yourself, just you and God. And you're like, you know what, Jesus, like, I want to figure out if, if you're real. Maybe you just need to drive 10 minutes out of town, get you a blanket and go sit in the empty field and say, you know what, like, Lord, I want to feel your presence. Maybe tonight you need to sit here right now during the next couple worship songs in just a few seconds and say, you know what, God, like, I want to feel your presence I'm ready to just be able to fill you. I'm ready to be able to experience you in raw way. Like, like I want to be able to turn from my ways and I want to be able to give you my life tonight. And listen, it could absolutely change your life and I promise you that God will show up in a real way. He will bring you a peace that only he can give you, and I promise you it'd be totally worth it. But as we close up tonight, listen, suffering, we need to be expectant of it. You don't need to be surprised by it. And the more trials that you go through, the more, the more that you will learn to navigate through them and know that they are for your good and they are for his glory. They're not for your pain and your destruction. And I think that's just spiritual maturity. The more that you walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and get experience with Jesus, the more that you can look through trials as not just depleting you, but they, they are something that they can make you grow more in Jesus. Then when you are through them, you will be able to see the stepping stones. You will be able to maybe not know what's happening right then, but you'll be able to experience them later on in life. And look how God brought you from here to here. And you took this act of faith during this hardship here. And you took this step of, harvest, uh, step of faith here. And now you're able to walk in the presence of God just because of all the hardships that you've been able to get through. And you'll get that moment like I did on, the, on that couch I call it my aha moment. And God will give you that holy hug and he'll be able to say, you know what, this is why this has happened and you will be able to give him all the glory and honor and praise. But lastly, we do need to make sure that we're suffering for the right reasons and see that it's because we're trying to glorify God in all that we do and, and we need to see if it's because God is trying to refine us or maybe he is looking at us and he has given us over saying, listen, are you running away from me or are you running towards me? And tonight, students, I beg you, some of us tonight, we need to turn our lives back over to Jesus. We're going to have prayer teams down at front. We're going to have a prayer team up here on our little balcony sections there. Listen, don't be afraid of being able to give everything to Jesus tonight and say, you know what? I need to pray about this tonight. Amen.